Pastor Rob here from City East Church and MTL Ministries. What you hold is true. Is it really truth? Will what you believe get you through on Judgment Day? Are you keeping to the pattern of sound teaching held out in Scripture? In this series, Truth, Judgment and Eternity, I intend to deliver messages that check the solidness of our Christian foundation so as to guard the good deposit that was entrusted to us as Christ's ambassadors on this earth. Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. So we're continuing in our verse-by-verse study of the book of Ephesians, which we haven't done for a few weeks. But we're getting through quite a bit, aren't we? Yeah. Quite a bit more than what Joe Schimmel gets through in his verse-by-verse study. <laughs> one verse a week. <laughs> one verse for three weeks, wasn't it? Yeah, that's a, well, one passage, yeah. yeah. And he's going quicker than the last time he did the Revelation series, so... I think it took him seven years to yeah. do a verse-by-verse study of the book of Revelation. Oh preaching, on, And he lost the tapes for the whole thing. That would have been amazing. All right, so verse, oh, chapter 4, verse 7 to 10. And uh, if everyone's there, we'll, I'll read from it. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high... He led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. (coughs) What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Isn't that a great passage? It's pretty deep stuff. So let's pray. Lord, we just thank you now for your word. We thank you that uh, your word is so full of of just treasure that we can just uh, access at any time. And uh, Lord, I just pray that you will just open up to us uh, the essence of of what you want us to understand today and and what you want to teach us today by your Holy Spirit. So we open our hearts to the Holy Spirit. We open our hearts to the Word of God. And I pray that you give me the words that these words won't be my own, but what you've helped me to prepare and what you will say through me this morning will be of you. And uh, I pray that your spirit just move powerfully in each and every one of us for it to be applied into our lives. In the name of Jesus, amen. Okay, so grace apportioned is the title of this message. So just a quick overview of what we just read. Verse 7 talks about the grace given to the followers of Christ, that each and every one of us has been apportioned gifts of the Spirit to each each one of us. Verse 8 speaks of that he ascended with captives behind him. So we're going to look at that. What does that mean, that he ascended with captives behind him? Verse 9 talks about that he descended into the lower earthly regions. And verse 10 talks about that Christ fills the whole universe. He ascended higher than all the heavens and he filled the whole universe. It's quite an interesting passage. These are powerful and mysterious verses discussing Jesus' descent into the lower earthly regions of Hades and his ascent higher than all the heavens with multitudes behind him. And what a picture we are given here from the Holy Spirit of what Jesus did, that he descended down to earth and then he went further than that, into the lower earthly regions. Then he ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It's an amazing picture of Christ and what he did in his 33 years of life on earth. So grace apportioned. And the NIV reads this in Ephesians 4, 7, but to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And the Amplified reads this, 
Yet grace, God's unmerited favour, was given to each of us individually, not indiscriminately, but in different ways, in proportion to the measure of Christ's rich and bounteous gift. Don't you love the Amplified? How much more is in there? And that's sort of the reason I like to refer to the Amplified, and I should refer to it more, is because it just really pulls all the essence of the Greek words out so that we can see it pretty clearly. It's not the best reading Bible, is it, the Amplified? But it is a great text Bible that we can go to to find out more about our text. So a portion means to divide or allocate. We have allocated to us a portion of God's rich and bounteous gifts. So he's allocated these gifts uh, to the body of Christ. So as we come to Christ, he's given you a portion. He's given you something. He's allocated to you a gift that you you can use. Remember when Jesus talks about the um, parable of the ten minas? And each man, one man was given five, one man was given two, one man was given one. And the one that had five used his five and he increased. He had ten. And the one with two worked his two gifts and he ended up with two more. But the one with one hid it. And what that's saying is some of us get large portions of gifts, some of us get less, and some of us get less again. But just because you haven't got many gifts doesn't mean you bury it and don't use it. Whatever gifts you have, you use. Because it's very easy when you've got ample gifts to be usable, isn't it? But when, it's, when you've got very limited gifts, when you've got few gifts to then have a, the faith to, to use your gift. can sometimes that can be actually a very trying place to be. So when you've got only a small gifts or you only think you have less gifts, still step forward in Christ and make sure you use it. You know, and in, in that sense, you know, you might think, how do I lead someone to Jesus? How can I speak to my friends about Jesus? And you might think, I just know so little, I don't feel I can actually explain it in a way that they could understand or accept. But that's not putting God's talent to work, is it? That's burying the talent and saying, Lord, I really don't know how to do this, so forget it. But if you step out, you'll be amazed what God can do, the doors that can open, the things that can take place in people's lives when we step forward and tell them about Jesus. And really, that's what it's all about. You know, I keep coming back to this. only reason is, is because we're placed on earth. Once we accept Christ, from that moment on, we are his workers. We are meant to tell people about Jesus. And the reason is, is one day we're going to see all of those that we were meant to tell in hell. And Jesus is going to stand beside you and say, you were supposed to tell that person about about me. And if you had just responded, this could have been prevented. And it's a huge call. It's a huge expectation. It's a huge burden on the church. And the burden is so great that we tend to just say, oh, forget it. <laughs> I don't want that burden. You know, but it's good when we start to respond and just say things at the right time. Time it well. It's going to be a sad day. Judgment day is going to be a very, very sad day, especially the white throne judgment. When we see those that we know that are going to be cast into the eternal fire. And you're going to see it. And you just try to grasp the reality of that for a moment, you know. It's all well and good for me to just say it. And you go, oh, yeah, yeah, eternal fire. Right, okay, Rob. It's going a bit deep again. But the fact of the matter is one day it's going to be reality. And one day you're going to see this place that is so hot that you're going to think, man, how could anyone, you know, exist in that? And then you're going to see the judgments pronounced and these angels just picking these people up and throwing them into this fire. 
And it's going to be a reality before our eyes. And sometimes I try to sit there, and I deliberately do this. I try to sit there and visualize hell. I try to visualize souls burning forever in hell with a flame that, does, that can never be extinguished, that just keeps on burning hotter and hotter and hotter forever. And you try to visualize it, and the reason I do that is because I have to get a sense of the urgency. I need to have a sense of the urgency that there are souls out there. The reality of hell is it's real. It exists. God's word tells me so. And if God's word tells me so, I'm going to believe it. And if it exists, then we've got to get serious because it's a serious issue we're playing with. How we should see it is like this. Is would, if you knew that a fire was coming through the bush, right? The bushland of Australia is burning up, but the people are in, in a certain town are unaware. And you knew, knew that fire in, in, in a couple of hours was going to be upon that town. And you knew you had time to get in there, tell them, and then get out as well. You know, with enough time to save you. Would you do, go and do it? If you knew, you're guaranteed you'd get to safety. Yeah? You'd do it, wouldn't you? You wouldn't hesitate. But, you know, that fire doesn't even compare to hell. That fire doesn't even come close to what eternal damnation will be like. And Jesus found it so serious that he laid his life on a cross. He laid his life down. He spilled his blood for us. He was whipped and beaten for us and then crucified to death so that people wouldn't have to go there. That's how serious Jesus took it. But how serious do we take it? Jesus will lay his life down, and we're scared to even mention Jesus when it comes to the crunch. We're in situations, there's people you know they don't believe, you know that they need to hear the gospel, you know you need to say something, you know you need to search God for a a word that you can speak to them. But... You just don't want to affect their friendship. You don't want to affect them in any way, shape or form. So you hold back. And you know, I'm guilty of it too. I'm not saying it and putting it all on you. I, I probably do it more than, I sh- way more than I should. And how good it feels when you do finally tell someone and they respond well. Bill's had that experience heaps of times. He's taken the plunge. He's told people, gone out on a limb, told people and seen very good responses. You know? Whether they get saved there and then or whether they get saved in a year's time, the thing that Bill would have said to them would have been that little seed or that watered that seed that someone else may have planted that just kept it alive until the time when their hearts were changed and the seed sprouted. You know what I mean? But let's go back to it. He portioned means to divide or allocate. So he allocated gifts. And really the main thing all our gifts should aim towards, like if you just say you get a gift of healing, is the gift of healing for the purpose of just healing people? No. It's not, is it? The gift of healing is to glorify God so that he'll be glorified and that people will turn to Jesus. And every time you read in the book of Acts of, of when the uh, gift of healing was used and when people in the book of Acts were, uh, were healed, it always led to conversions. It always led to maybe a whole town turning to Jesus. So it's important that we use every gift, no matter what it is, always for the express purpose of getting people into the kingdom. Amen? All right. So to those who have been given much, Jesus said this in Luke 12, 48. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. 
So if you've been given much, or even little, because we could really turn that around, even if you if you little, little will be demanded, but at least little is demanded. You don't want to bury your talent and have nothing to show at all. Little will be demanded. Much will be demanded of those with much. And you know what? I believe all of us have been given much in the way of the ability to, to understand the word, to speak the word, to pray, etc. Now, Barnes commented on this verse, and I'll, go, I'll just go back to the verse again for a second. It says, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And he commented and he said this, the meaning here is that God had bestowed upon each sincere Christian, and a sincere Christian is important, because there's a lot of Christians that aren't sincere. You know how you can tell a true sincere Christian? Is the desire in their hearts to tell people about Jesus is one, and their desire in their hearts to pray and read the Word of God. We've got to have a desire for souls. A sincere Christian loves people coming to know Jesus, and they really sincerely do not want anybody to be lost. Amen? You know, what, Bill, what drives you when you tell people about Jesus? What drives you to do it? Just the, uh, yeah, like I said, you can see of, uh, of what are the uh, consequences if uh, they don't hear about it and they pass it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So exactly, exactly. So the urgency of, of them having to know Jesus. Because you never know when, you know, they could walk out of your shop and, you know, a week later be hit by a car or something and they never get another chance. So it's urgent. Every single person, it's, it's urgent that everyone hears about Jesus. And all you need to do is just trust in God and just tell them just, a, just something. You know, we, we saw an effect once just, uh, I just said, God bless you to one person, had been and I. Uh, no, and uh, that person was blown away. Couldn't believe it. Rang up and said, you know, I always knew you guys were different when she found out we were Christian. She said, when Rob said that, it just freaked me out. Who says that anymore, she said. No one says that. So when you say, just God bless you, as a parting goodbye, you know, that has a huge effect on people because they're not used to hearing it. Even more, say, God and Jesus bless you. <laughs> and that'll be like, what? That's not the saying. <laughs> but just to doubly it home. We need to speak the word. You know, when you speak the word, things start to happen. Amen? When we speak the word, when the power comes out from our mouths, when we start to say it into the, to the atmosphere, things start to change. You know, good things start to happen, but also it stirs up bad things. Stirs up evil spirits. Evil spirits start to attack you. If you try to speak out more about Jesus than you, than Satan likes, he starts to attack you. So that's why Paul could tell when he was in the will of God because of his levels of persecution. He says, "I know that I'm still preaching the cross because I'm still being persecuted." <laughs> it's a good indicator. If you're getting persecuted, it means you're doing the right thing. When I say persecuted, persecuted for the faith. All right, so I'll go back to this. The meaning here is that God has bestowed upon each sincere Christian the means of living as he ought to do and had in his gospel made ample provision that they might walk worthy of their vocation. And what are the endowments thus given? The apostle states in the following verses, the grace referred to here most probably means the gracious influences of the Holy Spirit. And I think that's a, a good way of looking at it. The grace that's been apportioned to us is the Holy Spirit who he has given us. Uh, or his operations on the heart in connection with the use of the means which God has appointed. The operations of the heart, you know, some of us are called to be, you know, evangelists, some are called to be teachers, some are called to be apostles, you know, some are called to just a life of prayer. 
So uh, according to the measure of the gift of Christ, grace is bestowed upon all true Christians and all have enough to enable them to live a life of holiness. Every one of us has enough of the grace of God, enough Holy Spirit to live a holy and righteous life and to live it continually. And if we let our defences down and we don't seek Him, and that, that's when it, it starts to wear off. You know, Who's felt that grace wear off in your life when you sort of let your defences down? Who's had that experience? Yeah, I think every last one of us has had it. And we get a bit slack, you know. The Bible will stay unopened for three days straight. And then when you finally do open, it's like a rule. You have to force yourself to open it. Who's had those weeks where it's really easy to open the Bible? Mm-hmm. Who's had those weeks where you just can read, you know, chapter after chapter after chapter? Yeah? What about the weeks where you find prayer easy? Yeah? Mm-hmm. Have you all had easy weeks? Yeah? You should have. You should have experienced it. Yeah. I know I have. Anyway, captives in his train, what does that mean? Ephesians 4.8, this is why it says, When he ascended on high, he led captives in his train, and he gave gifts to men. Uh, the Amplified says, Therefore it is said, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he led a train of vanquished foes. I like that. And he bestowed gifts on men. So the captives here, and that's why the Amplified gives us a little bit more about who these captives are. The captives here are described in the Amplified as vanquished foes. And a vanquished foe is a defeated enemy. And isn't that interesting that when he ascended on high, he led defeated enemies with him. And who's he talking about? Who are the defeated enemies? Word of God says before we come to believe in Jesus, we were his enemies. We were his enemies. When you live a life of sin and you don't believe in Jesus, you're an enemy of God. And so he, he, dis, he went down, he descended into lower earthly regions, he conquered death, he conquered Hades, he conquered hell, he had, holds those keys, the book of Revelation tells us. And then when he ascended on high, he led defeated enemies, who are no longer enemies because they've been defeated, they're now prisoners, aren't they? And a prisoner is captive, held captive. And Jesus took his captives with him. And we are captives. That's what Paul said. Paul, a prisoner of Christ for the sake of the gospel. He calls himself a prisoner. So we are those captives. We are those defeated foes. It's an interesting way of looking at it, isn't it? So without Christ, we're enemies of God. Yeah, those who didn't believe at first. And you know what? Even kids brought up in Christian families, they still can be enemies of God, even though they've... You know, they sort of, in a way, led, been led to believe in God. But until they have this revelation, until something clicks in them, and they suddenly realise, yeah, I need to devote myself. I need to live for God. You know, then they turn. Like, I, I've seen a turning point in John. There was a certain point that I remember he just sort of turned, and then he was all for God. You know, and up until then, he, you know, he believed, but it wasn't committed. You know what I mean? That's a maturity thing. Mm, mm. So he led those defeated foes, defeated enemies with him. Jesus died for his foes. And like defeated enemies, we are prisoners of the Lord, captive to his will. So you're a captive, Steph. You're defeated and you're a captive. So are you, Matthew. I'm James. <laughs> but, you know, too many of us try to break out of his prison, you know. We try to pick the lock. <laughs> but we've got to stay in. To reveal his will... To us, he gave us gifts 
from which we grow in the knowledge of our Creator and used to do His will. Because remember it said, when He ascended on high, He led captives in His train and He gave gifts to men. So we, when He gave us these gifts and we grow with these gifts, we grow in the knowledge of our Creator and we use those gifts to do His will. Give me a show of hands. Who believes that God has given them these gifts and that we use these gifts to, not, to grow in the knowledge of our Saviour? Who believes you got the gifts? Yeah? Who can understand the Bible when you read it? Mm-hmm. All right, so you have the gifts. Who believes you're using the gifts? Yeah? Well, who prays? Okay, so you're using the gifts, aren't you? At least if you're not speaking to people about Jesus, at least pray for people. You know what I mean? Get on your knees and get before God. Lord, just please do something in this person. Reach this person. Break the hardness of their heart, you know. Uh, Break up the fallowed ground. You know, turn that person to know you. Bring people across that person's path. And Lord, if you will, always pray this prayer. Lord, if you will and if, if it be possible, use me to say something at the right time and lead me to say it in a way which will not offend them or they will find uh, cause to reject me by it. You know, pray prayers like that. So prayer is a powerful weapon. Actually, prayer is probably the most powerful weapon. If we don't pray, our evangelism is going to be very unsuccessful. I just finished a biography on Charles Finney and to me I've read a lot of biographies on men of God but I've never read a a biography with the same level of intensity of life that Charles Finney led and one of the things he put himself to all the time was high levels of prayer and he would pray, he'd get up at four in the morning and pray till eight o'clock and then he, he said if one day went by where he wasn't reaching someone with the gospel he would fast and pray until the power came back. So you don't have to go one day, and if someone didn't find Jesus in one day or two days, or, or so, he would go, what is going on? He believed that the power could be that effectively, he could use that power so effectively that he could see someone come and know Jesus daily. So in his first year of ministry, he led over 100,000 people to Jesus. And this was back in about 1830. This is way before TV and radio. So it wasn't because of, you know, promoting it worldwide. It was wherever he went, souls came to know Jesus. Whole towns would come to know Jesus. And towns around those areas would get being brought to the Lord. But he, he said, when they asked him, how come these things happen? He says, because of prayer. Much better than TV and radio. Much better, much better, much better promotional tool. <laughs> if you get God on your side, you don't have to say that much to convict a soul. Charles Finney said just passing conversation that he wasn't even aware was a conversation about God just this simple passing conversation would bring people to deep conviction you know hours later so it's interesting isn't it that he had that much dependence upon prayer 